0: How are we all doing? Getting your Christmas shopping done? Preparation done? I wonder how many of you joined me in this delightful event. It wasn't something I was expecting to do during the Advent season, but this last week I was listening to and watching much of the impeachment process. Any of you watching that? Could you take it for just so long? I think regardless of your political leanings, I think we can all be united in a collective ugh, right? As we watch that, it's hard to watch. It's, I would say, sad to watch, and somewhat depress- depressing to watch, especially in the season. And I always feel like I was doing, uh, I should watch it and be a part of that, but there was one question that as I was watching and thinking and listening, there was one question that continued to hit me and I continued to, to think about and I'm still thinking about, is where is the godly leadership in our country today? Where is the godly wisdom that's there? And I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of godly wisdom that I was hearing in the process. Yeah. I, I uh, hope that you will join me, we, regardless again, of our political leanings or where we're standing. We're called to to pray for our nation and our leaders. You get to pray however you want to pray, right? To give that, whatever your political leadings are, you get to pray. But pray for our leaders and pray for our country. Pray for unity and civility. There's so many pressing issues that are before us. We need to be praying for our country. Now, before we get too worked up politically, I wanted to share a principle with you that I think is from the Lord, okay? And this principle is worth the price of admission, right? So I could end the sermon right after this principle. I'm not going to, but, I'm, but I could. So this principle, when I start to become overly critical of something, when I start to get a, a little puffed up, I've learned a practice that helps me guard against personal hypocrisy. And that practice is that I often will take what I am getting upset and critical about and figuratively speaking, I look in the mirror and I ask that question of myself. Yeah? And so as I was thinking about this and getting a little bit overly critical and and getting a little bit puffed up, then I, I asked myself this question. Am I displaying in the areas that the Lord has given me stewardship and leadership over within my family and in the church and in ministry? Ask yourself this question. Do a little mirror gazing yourself, look into the mirror in the areas that God has placed you in leadership over to giving you stewardship, whether career at the workplace, whether in school, um, whether in your family, whatever that is, your friendships, your, your finances, are you displaying godly wisdom Or if someone was looking at your life on television, would they go, where's the godly wisdom in that person's life? You see, I'd love to stand before you and say that I'm free of hypocrisy. I know that because I am fallen, there's always a danger, whether in the political realm, in the in the family realm, that that hypocrisy can sink into my heart and soul. And I have to guard against that. So I'm asking, you know, Jesus, it's not my principle, of course. Jesus' principle said before you notice that sawdust piece of speck in the eye of your brother or sister, look at the plank in your own. So I want to ask you that question this morning. We're, we're we're talking about wisdom. And if your life was on television for millions to gaze at, what would they say? Kendra and I have been walking this journey a little bit, just in in one area, with with a, a couple of our kids at college age now, and one still a teenager been saying what does it look like to be godly wise stewards of our kids in this season how do we help them how do we walk with them how do we not do too much how do we not enable how do we do enough it's related to finances we've been asking that question how does how do we Um, steward our finances with kids going to college, right? A lot of uh, worldly examples that I don't think are healthy. So, Lord, help us to steward well our kids in this season. If there were to be one area in your life that you'd say, Okay, Lord, I don't think I'm doing well here. You can do two or three if you want. (laughs) What would be that area that you would place before the Lord? Would you ponder that for a moment? I was uh, thinking about all this and was processing this, and I was reading the Advent stories, of course, as I like to do in the Christmas season. And guess who are the characters that entered into my Advent reading this week? The wise men. And I thought, you know, I wonder if the wise men men, would have any helpful guidance in terms of living with wisdom today. And I went out on a ledge and thought, maybe so. And so I'd like us to read the story, the very familiar story of the Magi in uh, Matthew chapter 2 where they show up in the story and I'd really like us to approach the, this reading and this story and thinking about this idea of Wisdom. And God's invitation that we would live with his wisdom in every area of our lives. This is Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel, Micah 5. I always love the the story of the magi because they are like tulips in a field of lilies. They, they like stick out from the story like a sore thumb. Have you ever thought about that? Like, this is a Jewish story, right? This is, this is happening. It's in Israel, Bethlehem, and Jerusalem, and you have prophets, and they're committed to the scriptures and the Old Testament, and they're reading and the, the discussion of temple, and then poof. These non-Jewish Eastern astrologers show up out of nowhere, like, that's kind of odd, like, can you imagine the moment when they knocked on the door, and they're like, hey, hey, we're from the east, we don't know what country they're from, like, yeah, and we followed the star, was Mary like, okay, can we come in, no, I don't think you can, we have gold, okay, well, come on in, right, after they left, was Joseph like, what was that about? Where did they come from? Poof, and they're gone, right? The, the, this, I, they're from nowhere. I, was God having fun, did he say to the angels? Watch this. I'm just going to add a little texture to the story. Like nothing else. I mean, we know so little about them. We don't really know if they were kings, right? We, we don't know. We're assuming they probably were not Jewish. In fact, I believe they were probably of another faith that studied astrology. But we don't know how in the world they knew about Jesus, we don't know how they connected a star (laughs) to Christ's arrival, right? It's just poof, they're there, and then they're gone. I was wondering what, in part, I I think in part God was wanting to show in, in yet another way that Jesus was for all the nations, right? He wanted to show that Jesus was for the rich and the poor. You have the, the, the shepherds worshiping the, the low rung, and you have these three magi uh, uh, of wealth and prestige, highest rung, and, and they're all adoring the Christ child. So a number of reason, uh, reasons that I think God includes them in the story. But I was thinking that perhaps, which I hadn't thought about before, <laughs> is this idea of God's invitation that we would be a people of wisdom. That in a world that seems so often in so many areas to lack godly wisdom, that perhaps that in part was their role before us. And I was thinking about this and thinking about the idea of how would we live, what would their lives, how would their lives influence us? One part I was thinking of is that they were looking for the right wisdom, the right kind of wisdom, which is pretty interesting, especially to think about the fact that they were probably not uh, of the Hebrew faith. They were probably a different religion. They were probably not children of God and Jewish, and yet somehow in their seeking of truth and wisdom, they ended up at the doorstop at the doorway of Jesus. You know, scripture talks a lot about wisdom. Did you know that we have a whole section of books that's considered what? Wisdom literature, yes, right? So there's like this huge invitation that to be a follower of God, to, to be a child of God, is to be about wisdom, is to hear wisdom's invitation. And oftentimes, Scripture talks about different, two kinds of wisdom, the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And oftentimes those two forms of wisdom are contrary. Oftentimes the wisdom of God really reveals the wisdom of of the world as foolishness. But also, if you spend some time in the world, you'll realize that much of their wisdom regards the wisdom of God as foolishness or ancient or outdated. And part of the invitation is to recognize God's wisdom versus culture's wisdom. Paul, quoting the Old Testament in 1 Corinthians, he says, For it is written, God was speaking, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? I think that's true. I I, I think there's areas in our culture that he invites us to say, God, where is your wisdom at work, I, I think in many times the political realms, that there's a lot of political wisdom or worldly wisdom, and it's not God's wisdom. I think a lot of times in, say, um, I love the university. I, I love academic environments. And certainly there's some great and healthy and godly universities that are happening but there's also that bastion that so many of them were started to pursue God's wisdom. And now they've become something vastly different. Places that disregard and diminish God's wisdom. And God invites us to be discerning. Remember in my university experience when I was at, at a state school, I learned from the ministry of university to have a quiet time. And so I just made that commitment, just 15 minutes in the morning. I'd read some scripture and I would pray and then I would journal. That was just my, my simple quiet time. And I've shared before, I'm going to classes and I'm learning a lot and a lot of it was good. Some of it was bad. And at the same time, I'm learning from Scripture, really for the first time, on my own. And I was realizing I was getting two forms of education that were happening. And I realized the one in Scripture I would choose every day of the week and twice on Sunday because it was helping me understand life and how to live it. It was helping me to understand God's heart and perspective in relationships in schools, and schools, morality and integrity, issues that my, my uh, campus was talking about and wrestling with, I was learning and hearing and applying, and the Lord was leading. I think the Lord is inviting us to be a people of wisdom. That has been from the old days, from the ancient times to the present, there's been a, a, a degree of, of scholarship and thoughtfulness. But I think the issue is, is which door are we sitting at? Which wisdom are we learning and claiming from? I put it that way because if you remember Proverbs eight talking about wisdom, again, Oftentimes, wisdom was personified in the Old Testament. So you have wisdom speaking to us, wisdom inviting us, wisdom saying to us, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway, for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Are we people that are sitting in the right doorway of God's wisdom? Are we paying attention to what he's doing And what he's saying. Now, without a doubt, scripture is the main doorway. Absolutely. That we need to be reading and studying and discussing and hearing scripture. Found this quote from Eugene Peterson. Said this. It's at the uh, bottom of your bulletin, I think. When we find ourselves deficient in wisdom... Is it not because the word, it is not because the word of God has pages missing, but because we have not seen all there is on the pages we already have. It is not another book we need, but better attention to the book we have. It is not more knowledge we require, but better vision to see what has already been revealed in Jesus Christ again that invitation to be people of the book and people of wisdom but it's interesting i think the magi represent this truth that there's other revelation outside of scripture and we as evangelicals can miss that oftentimes That there's other doorways, that if they're of God, they're good. There's this principle, this idea that all truth is God's truth, regardless of where you find it. Even on television and on the internet, Regardless, you can hear God's voice. It doesn't matter if it's found in scriptures or a secular book. If it's truth, if it's God's truth, it's truth. It doesn't matter if it's in a conversation with a Christian or a non-Christian. If it's truth, it's God's truth. It's what God is saying. And I think in part, the Magi represent... I have to believe that there were two things going on in the Magi's life. There was special revelation. There was, there's no evidence that they had the scriptures, Old Testament scriptures. And so I believe that the spirit was speaking to them because they had hearts that were seeking after truth and understanding. And so whether a dream or a vision Or that still small voice within, somehow they heard God's revelation and heard that. And then he connected it to the stars, right? So I don't think their life illustrates that we should be looking more at the stars. I don't think that. But that we should be looking for God's revelation wherever we find it. Well, this is why I often use videos because I think sometimes they illustrate God's truth but in memorable way but I don't have a video for you this morning I'm sorry I know I have something better than a video I have a real live testimony from a sister in Christ I want to invite Janet Bodie Forward, yeah. So let's welcome Janet. And Janet, let me give you this mic here. All right. So many of you know Janet. She is our children's pastor. I don't know if all of you uh, know. Uh, let's see. We'll get it. Is it on, Ralph? Yes. Okay. Um, many of you. I don't know if you know that that Janet she um, she has her masters of divinity. She's an ordained pastor in another denomination. She is actually looking at switching her uh, or adding her ordination in the RCA. So uh, she's a, a pastor. Um, however, Janet, I'm going to go out on a limb and and assume you were not born a pastor. Is that correct? Okay. <laughs> So,
1: you know, I, I would say that I wasn't born a pastor, but I would say that I like to look at it this way, that, like, God told um, Jeremiah that he formed him in his mother's womb. Right. He was ordained a prophet to the nations then. Uh-huh. You know, David... Um, was a king before he became king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then when I think about that, I think about God's providential care, mm-hmm. and how God says that, like if you read Nehemiah chapter nine, verse six, it talks about how uh, God created the heaven of heavens and everything in it, you know, the sea and everything in it, you know, the earth and everything in, in it. And then it says that he's able to preserve that which he brought into existence. And then when you think about the governmental aspect, Mm -hmm. then you know that God is also able to guide his creation to his intended purpose. Mm -hmm. So I say (laughs) that God created me to be a pastor in my mother's womb. I detoured, (laughs) but God's plan is still God's plan. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. And he brought me back.
0: Now share a mm-hmm. little bit about that detour okay. that you lived in. So where you, okay. were, you were raised in the inner mm-hmm. city. So share just a little mm-hmm. bit about set up that time when you were not walking with, with the, the Lord. Lord.
1: Okay. So um, my family, when I was in uh, kindergarten, we moved to the suburbs of uh, the greater Cleveland area, and that's where I met my very, very, very best friend, uh, Cindy. And um, uh, through different circumstances and situations, we lost that home, and that would move us to the inner city, to the greater, to to the heart of the city. Away from your good friend. Away from my good friend. I hadn't seen Cindy kind of like in years. And so then, of course, that exposed me to a whole different lifestyle that I, I think we moved there with like when I was in the ninth grade, and the culture was totally different. So there was murders, and there was, in fact, my brother and I were very close. He was a year older than me. He was murdered during that time. And... Um, Drugs, alcohol, you know, violence, domestic violence, you name it, it was there. And so I was kind of like in that. I participated, sadly, in some of that, you know, and just exposed to that environment.
0: And then... But at the same time, Cindy, mm-hmm. your, your best friend, mm-hmm. she found the Lord mm-hmm. and was walking with the Lord and was sharing a testimony to mm-hmm. you, a little bit inviting you in mm-hmm. that way. Share a little bit about that, her. So, uh, like
1: I said, you know, I had, you know, I mean, I was just like pretty, you know, broken. And, you know, I can look back now and see those places where I was crying out, but I didn't know what or who mm-hmm. to cry out to. And so Cindy, you know, she was praying all the time, and she was trying to find me, but I was just kind of like out there doing my own thing. When we did reconnect, I could see. and I mean, I know now I could see the glory of God, you know, on this girl. I mean, she was different. Her life, she was living it, seeing it, and responding to life from God's perspective. She was different. And that's wisdom, when we have the ability to do that. And um, she would always, well, you know, the Bible said. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or she would say, well, you know, that's in the Bible. And I mean, it would kind of like, every time she said that, for some reason, it would just kind of like hit me. You know, right in there. And I like really wanted that. Uh But I was like, you know, I got a few things to do. So... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not quite
0: ready, you know, for what you're doing. <laughs> so you were what, you were 18, was that it? 18 when you had the experience on the street? No. How old well? Because I? I was 25 when I
1: got. Oh, you eight. were 25. Yeah, I was like, I yeah, didn't realize I was, you were was that older. great of a sinner. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yeah.
0: Um, so you're so you're 25. That was a good one. That's why I work for Jesus yeah. so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Lot to make up for. Yeah. So you're 25 and mm-hmm. you're walking on a street that mm-hmm. you was part of your childhood. Mm-hmm. Still in the mm-hmm. inner city, mm-hmm. you had gone up and down the street time and time <laughs> again. My oh, <okay>. test. <laughs> just no, trying I'm to set yeah, Good. Okay. See you then. So, okay, take it from there. Take it from there. So so
1: first I want to kind of like, you know, draw your attention to this um, picture up here. So uh, tomorrow's going to be my birthday. I don't mind telling you I'll be 60 years old in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so our youngest daughter took me uh, the other week, like two and a half days. She just planned this, you know, thing out, this getaway, and she had me, and Uh, She got a hotel, and we just had an agenda every day. And every day she would give me, when I wake up, there would be the agenda, and there would be some card or something. So this is a card that she had up there one day. And she said, you know what? I was trying to find something good that happened in 1959 in Cleveland. (laughs) She she said, but everything was just, it was just bad. (laughs) But what she did find was this picture, she, now she knows my testimony, but she doesn't know like, you know, this street or whatever. So if you look at it, there was a flood on Lee Road in 1959. She would never have known that this is the road that the Lord, that I had this encounter with the Lord. So Cindy had been talking to me. I hadn't talked to her probably in a couple of months. And uh, I decided this day that I was going to walk to my doctor's office. Okay. The sun was out. I mean, it was just a beautiful, it was a gorgeous day. So I'm walking down the street and I get midway in the street and I just feel like I need to look up. And I look up and there's the star David. Oh, I, I know, now know it was a Jewish synagogue. I just said it's a church. <laughs> so I was like, Because we rode our bikes up and down the street, that theater, we went to that theater all the time, you know. And so I was like, "Ah." I was just astonished. I was excited. I was shocked. I was amazed. I was curious. And I said, I got to call Cindy because nobody in my world, nobody in my circle talked to God. Nobody in my circle said they knew him. Uh-huh. <laughs> or you can know him. So I called Cindy, and I said, Cindy, girl, let me tell you what happened. Blah, 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 blah. She said, what? Wait a minute, wait. I said, girl, I was walking down the street, and when, she said, where were you? I said, well, you know that gas station over there? She said, wait a minute. That's my church. <laughs> and so, yeah. She said, that's my church. And what, what, when I think about that, I think about the Magi, and how they followed that star. And so for so long I had her like this, but now I'm ready. <laughs> you know, now I'm gonna follow this star and I'm gonna see, <laughs> you know, what the end may be. That's kinda like, you know, how I was thinking. So that next Sunday I went to church. <laughs> <laughs> that next Sunday I went to church. I had two girls and I, you know, began to take them to church and that's kinda like.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: history. A, a, a
0: different path instead yes. of a, a life. Yeah, whole different, path. Yeah, a whole yeah, different yeah, one. yeah. yeah so yeah. you can see how I kind mm-hmm. of connected Janet's story to mm-hmm. the Magi, right? Mm-hmm. Walking mm-hmm. in that. And I also want to share this too. I was thinking about this too, and if I can just brag on Janet a little bit, just getting to know her, she's become that matriarch, the wise voice. In her family, uh, and as she shares about her kids, her siblings, and her family, they turn to her and seek her. She's become a wise voice to us as staff. That that just uh, we recognize that oftentimes in prayer, in in study, that God is speaking to her and He's using her as a staff team in our the way she shepherds the kids, the way she walks or seeks to walk with the parents. We're just seeing wisdom come out there. And then to have to manage her husband, whew, tons of wisdom would have to be. So I just thought what a, a beautiful example of of probably many of you didn't know, if I could say it this way, someone living in foolishness. Mm-hmm. And yet God inviting yeah. and making her a, a, a woman of wisdom that flows through that. I, I think to add her life to the testimony of the Magi is powerful. Can we say thank you thank to you. Janet? Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. I prepared a shorter message because I had a hunch that Janet was going to go off on the preaching. I'll just leave you with these uh, two things um, with the Lord is, I do think that there's a, as I reflected on the Magi, that um, not only did they respond to God's wisdom and revelation, but they also were willing to pursue and sacrifice, and give of what was valuable to him. I thought, what a, what a beautiful picture of not just saying, oh yeah, I want to I do things God's way, and I want to, yeah, all that. But they were willing to leverage, like whatever they did, whatever they were doing their life, maybe they were priests in their faith and religion. They stopped all of that, and journeyed towards the Lord to give what was valuable in their lives to him. They, they paid the price. Again, Proverbs 4, 6, and 8. I love this. This is about as plain spoken as you can get. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Like prioritize. I know you've got a lot of priorities in life. Family and job. All those things really, really good. But the testimony of scripture, especially the wisdom literature, is get wisdom, value it, love it. And then there's promises. Though it cost you all you have, sacrifice for it. Get understanding, cherish her, and she will exalt you, embrace her, and she will honor you. Reminds me of Jesus' parable in Matthew 13. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had. And he bought it. Pursue God and his wisdom. Long for it. Press into it. Whether in scripture or in this world. We're going to be... uh, to the new year pretty soon, right? What would it look like instead of a new year's resolution on losing some weight, right? Which is fine, we can all do that. But what if we focused in on the wisdom of God in the new year? What if we said, you know, I'm, I i want to pursue the things... Of God, the, the political thing. What in the world is going on? God, would you help me in that? God, God, I have not handled my finances well. W- would you help me? I see all these models in the world and they just do not seem. Help me pursue you in that. Lord, Lord God, in, in, my, in my children, how I raise them. In this relationship with this best friend, in this coworker that I'm struggling with, I don't feel like I've handled it well. I was not speaking truth in love. Lord, would you give me wisdom? Lord, this anxiety and, and, and struggle I'm feeling in this season, I'm not handling it well. Would you give me your wisdom? What would it look like if we claimed the promise that if we pursue wisdom, he will grant it? He will give it, and he will bless us with that. Proverbs 19.8, the one who gets wisdom loves life, and the one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. Ecclesiastes, again, from the wisdom literature, wisdom makes one wise person more powerful than ten rulers in a city. But a modern day, one wise person is more powerful than ten politicians, could I say that? What would it look like if this was a place of wisdom of God? That this was a place where we were seeking beyond political rhetoric, beyond all that stuff, that we were seeking the wisdom of God in every area, and we began to share that, and there was enough openness and authenticity to say, what do you think? This is my prayer that I thought we would bring into communion. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer, Ephesians one seventeen. He said this, I keep asking that God, the God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let's pray. Abba, Father, we recognize you as the only wise God. We recognize you as the the source of truth. Jesus, you not only came full of grace and truth, but you are the truth, the way, the life, and the truth. Lord, teach us. Lord, help us to guard against hypocrisy, guard against foolishness, guard against pride and arrogance. Lord, would you help us to be a people that speak truth and love, that share in wisdom and truth To love our enemies with our words and actions, to love those we disagree with, to sacrifice for those who live in different lives. Lord, we thank you in your wisdom that you came to this earth, and though we were bound by sin, unable to turn towards you. You broke the power of sin in your incarnation. And you died on the cross for us that we might live the life that you modeled for us, this kingdom life. So Lord, we prepare our hearts now to celebrate at your table.